was thinking of the message on Sunday that, uh, that I preached, Psalm 23, that our Lord is our shepherd. And uh, boy, that, that depth of that water and that pasture that will never run out. And oh, how God always supplies our needs. What a wonderful God we serve. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 2 Samuel chapter number 12. 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Tonight's question is a, is a very serious question, and yet sometimes a very delicate question as well. Uh, the question is this, where do go, babies go when they die? And I want to read this. I wrote it, and I feel it would be better if I just read this portion of it, the introduction here as we think about this. This is a very delicate subject, and I do not pretend to understand what people have been through in their life. My heart always goes out to parents that lose a child, whether it be miscarriage or even whether it's a grown child married and has children. In my mind, it is unnatural for a child to pass away before a parent does. And obviously, it does happen. And I certainly offer my condolences to anyone who has had to go through this situation. And I am aware that there are people, um, I'm sure, with, even within our church, that have had to go through these situations, and that can be difficult. Uh, I do wish to offer some hope, help, and comfort from God's holy word, and I hope and pray it's beneficial to you. If you have not experienced something like this, perhaps you can take notes and at the very least offer some Bible verses to help console a hurting heart of somebody else, maybe that you might cross paths with. Um, in our passage that we're going to look at, 2 Samuel chapter number 12, David has committed adultery. He lied to cover it up, and after several failed attempts to hide it, he ended up committing murder and married the woman he committed adultery with. And, and with all an attempt to cover his perverse, wicked sin, uh, Nathan, the man of God, confronts David and condemns his wicked behavior as the sin that it is. And we're going to pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter number 12 and verse number 15. The Bible says this, And Nathan departed unto his house. So Nathan has just, uh, just condemned David for the sin that he has done. Uh, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. The elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead, Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel 
and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was yet while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Shall I go? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for uh, the privilege that we have to be in your house and God, to open up your word and oh, the abundance and depth and greatness of your word. God, I pray that as we look into your word, I pray, Father, that our hearts would be touched. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that each and every person would be strengthened by looking into your word, Father, and we'll thank you for that and we'll give you the honor and glory in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, uh, and we're, we're thinking of the idea of where do babies go when they die, I want us to note this. Uh, there's, there's, we're going we're gonna to get to the question, but we're going to go around it a kind of a long about way. And uh, when we read this passage, I want you to notice the terms that, they are, that are used. And the Bible uses these terms, and it's important for us to understand them. Uh, as I read through this passage, something stood out to me, and that is, look with me there in verse number, uh, verse number 18. The Bible says, And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. Now, this child... Uh, we can assume that that seventh day was very probable from the time that the child was born. Therefore, the child would have been seven days old. And, uh, and even if not, we know that this would have been an infant baby. Uh, we know that it was young. It did not, did not have much time uh, on this earth. And so as we read this, we understand this is talking about a baby. It's talking about an infant. But, but the Bible uses the word child. I started reading through that passage, and I counted every time. Uh, I didn't count every time, but I, I started uh, noting each time that child was used. And it's used very frequently throughout this entire passage. Look again with me back in num verse number 15. The Bible says, And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto him, and it was very sick. Verse 16, David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and wept and lay in the earth uh, all night upon the earth. Uh, and verse number 18, And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him uh, that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, he spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. Uh, and then at the last phrase, If we tell him that the child is dead. And all throughout this passage, the word child is used over and over and over again. 
And as I was looking through the Bible, I thought, well, that's, that's unique and that's interesting. And so I started looking and I thought, well, I wonder how often babies is used or baby. And it's not used at all in the Bible. Um, matter of fact, uh, I looked up infants. And, uh, and the only time that infants is used is four times in the Bible. But you look up this word child, and, and it shows up all throughout Scripture. And it can stand for the most youngest child that would be only seven days old, or it can be somebody that's all the way up to an adolescent, adolescent uh, somebody that would be older. It can actually mean like a young man. And, uh, and so it's a very vague term, and I say that to say this, that, that there's times that it does reference a baby. Obviously, in this passage, we know, because of context, it's a little easier to tell, hey, this is talking about a baby, uh, a child, a young child. And uh, I found it interesting, somebody else pointed this out to me, uh, they said that the Bible uses the phrase, uh, when, when a woman is expecting it uses the phrase, with child. I thought, well, that's interesting. And as I read that, I looked that up. It shows up in the Bible some 25 times that the Bible uses with child. And you say, well, that's interesting, preacher. What are you driving at? I'm driving at this, that, uh, that whether a baby is inside of the womb or outside of the womb, it is a child. It is a person. And the Bible is very clear about that. I started thinking about this, and I got to wondering, what does the word fetus mean? We've all heard the word fetus. And I thought, man, I've, you know what, I studied languages, and so now I'm interested in words and what they mean and where do they come from and what's the etymology of this word. And so I, I looked that word up, and, and uh, I thought, well, what's the first time it showed up? And, and they claimed it comes all the way from the 1600s, and so I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look it up in an old dictionary. So I got the, uh, the Webster's 1913 dictionary out, and, uh, and I looked it up, and here's what it says. It says the word fetus was in there. So it existed in the early 1900s. And it says this, the young or embryo of a vertebrae animal in the womb or in the egg, often restricted to the later stages in the development of, I'm not going to pronounce this word properly, probably because it, I'm not familiar with it, but I know what it means. Viviparus, and I probably pronounced that with a Spanish-Latin twist, so how about that? And oviparus, basically that means those animals that give live birth, and oviparus being those that would, give, uh, that would give birth to an egg. That would be the bird species, and the viviparus would be living mammals that give live birth. Okay, that's what those two words mean. Go on with this, this uh, thing showing the main recognizable features of the mature animal embryo being applied to the earlier stages. And so I'm pointing this out, that the word fetus that they like to use today in our day and age, and they, they often, well, it's an aborted fetus, it's an aborted animal. Excuse me, but we do not make animals. The Bible says that God created us from the dust of the earth and he breathed into our nostrils 
the breath of life and man became a living soul. That puts us in a different category from that of animals. That's why, praise the Lord, there's nothing wrong with going out in the woods with a bow and arrow or a gun and shooting a deer and, and taking it home and cutting it up and putting it in your freezer. Because they're animals, we are a living soul. They're different. God gave man the ability to go out and eat animals. And so uh, I'm just pointing that out, that what is in the, the womb is not a fetus. And I don't care what they say on the news. The Bible and God gets to determine what is right and what is wrong. Man can relabel it all they want, and they do many times. And it's not right. And I'm just telling you that God calls it a child uh, or says when a woman is with child. And, uh, and so that means that there is a child that is in that womb. Uh, Wikipedia says this, because I had to just look it up. I was just curious. I was looking up the word fetus. And, and, and Wikipedia, which is not known to be trustworthy, says this, in human prenatal development, fetal development begins from nine from the ninth week after fertilization or 11th week gestational age and continues until birth. That's noted as a number two, and that's from the American Pregnancy Association. I'm just telling you, man can call it whatever it wants. It's not right. A fetus is an animal and a child is a person. And God, throughout his entire word, refers to a woman that is expecting as with child. You know what? When she gets close to birth, he says, great with child. Do you like how he defines that? And, uh, and so, uh, so I'm just simply saying that God always refers to a person as a person and never as an animal. And the Bible's pretty clear about that. Um, and so we find that, uh, that with child, and as we see in our text, Child can refer to a baby. Uh, infants used very few times. I mentioned that it's only used four times uh, within the Word of God. That's, that's some of the Bible terms of child and great with child and infant. And I think that's important to note, especially in a day and age when they are pushing everybody uh, to talk about uh, the fetus. Well, it's just a fetus. It's not a person. It makes them feel better uh, to, to do the things that they do and to abort babies uh, if they call it a fetus. But God calls it a child. So we have Bible terms. I want us to look at a few of Bible concerns. Now, save your spot here in Samuel, as we'll end up back here in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12. But um, go with me to Jeremiah. I'd like you to see these passages, and we're going to turn to a few of them. Jeremiah chapter number 1, and verse number 5. Jeremiah chapter number 1, and verse number 5. The Bible says this, we're talking about Bible concerns. In Jeremiah chapter, one, chapter number 1 and verse number 5, we can see ever so clearly God's concern for babies or a child. Uh, look with me there in verse number 5. Go back to verse number 4. We'll read just to grab the context there. Then the word of the Lord came unto me. He's talking about Jeremiah. If you go back to 1, you can read all of that and catch the context. Came unto me saying, in verse number 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, 
I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And I, I want to just take that verse, and I want us to look at that for a minute. And, uh, and I want you to notice that phrase. He says there in verse number 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, babies are made uh, inside of a womb. And we'll not go super technical with all the scientific terms, but they're made inside of that womb and they're formed. But the Bible is telling us, he's saying, hey, before I even formed you inside of that womb, I knew you. And I take that to mean that life starts at the very start of conception. So we find when the, when the, when the seed unites with the egg, and that happens before it gets to the womb, that's when life starts. Then it travels up and it, and it sets itself in the womb. And that's what he's saying. Before uh, that it was ever planted in the womb, he says, I knew thee. Let's go down to the next phrase. And he says this, Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Now what does that mean? Sanctified simply means set apart for a holy purpose. In other words, God looked at Jeremiah's mom and, and, and saw that uh, Jeremiah was then formed, and he said, you know what? This is the perfect time. This is the perfect place. This is the perfect idea. And you know what? I want Jeremiah to be set apart to be my prophet to Israel. And that's what Jeremiah was. In other words, God had a plan for Jeremiah's life. He sanctified him. He set him apart. By the way, God has a sanctified plan for your life too. I believe God has a sanctified plan for every person. That does not mean that, well, I'm going to have to be a preacher somewhere. No, uh, you can be set apart for the purpose of serving God in the nursery, in the sound booth, in the bus ministry, in the Sunday school classes, in the choir, in the music department, in the cleaning department. There's more than just one area to be able to serve God. There's multiple areas, and God can say, hey, you know what? I've, set the, I've made that guy, and I've set him apart for this purpose. So we find that Jeremiah was simply sanctified. That means he was set apart for a specific purpose, and a specific ministry that God had placed him in. Go with me to Psalm 139, and I would like you to see this. So my point with Jeremiah is that God is concerned about babies. God is concerned about babies when they're first formed. God's concerned about babies while they're in the womb and while they are growing. God is concerned about those babies. We can see that very clearly as it's written out in the book of Jeremiah. Psalm 139 and I'm not going to give you any points out of this. I just thought this passage was incredible, um, incredible verses that correspond with Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5 that we just read. Psalm 139 and verse number 13. The Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Now watch this, this is really interesting. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee 
when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in conscience were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them. And that's just a, a very interesting passage. And I believe it has, in, in certainly in part, describes the formation of a human being and how that person uh, is conceived and born and made and grows in the, in the womb of the woman. By the way, just for the, for the statement of the fact, a man cannot get pregnant, okay? That's just absurd. And if I have to tell you that, that's absurd, okay? That's beside the point. But, and, and we're living, I am telling you, we are living in an absolute wicked day when they want to call wickedness what is right and they want to twist everything that is normal, natural, and created by God to be counter what God has designed. That's what they're doing. And so we find here Bible concerns. We're talking about Bible, the fact that God is concerned for babies. We see the formation of that. We see that God uh, had known Jeremiah and sanctified or set apart Jeremiah for a special, special service. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18, we're going to see Jesus and his concern for children. Matthew chapter number 18, there's several of these passages. I believe this is probably one of the most um, comprehensive that talks about it. Matthew chapter number 18, and the disciples are there, and uh, of course they, they had that dispute going that who was the greatest of all the disciples, and, and, uh, and of course Jesus condemned that and said, listen, that's not the most important thing. Uh, and in another passage he goes on and expounds about being a servant. But Matthew chapter number 18 and verse number 1, we find this. The Bible says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse number 2, And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Verse number 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And so I, I want us to understand from this passage that Jesus has a great concern for the children. We're going to say that word and that it's young people. And listen, that can be all the way down to a baby. Uh, because as we know, the word infant's only used how many times? Four times in the Bible. And so uh, he's talking about uh, young children. And, God, and Jesus was concerned. Um, you can note this down in Luke chapter number 18. 
and verse number 5, I just want to point this out because it's a parallel passage. The Bible says, uh, And they brought unto him also, here's one of our words, infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. I believe the following verse after that, I didn't write it in my notes, says, Suffer the little children to come unto me, or suffer them to come unto me, allow them to come unto me. And that's one of the uses of infants. And so uh, they were bringing, uh, I believe, babies even unto Jesus and say, hey, will you, will you just touch my child? And, and, and they, uh, the disciples were like, no, oh, come on, you know, the master's busy. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 allow them to come unto me. And I want you to notice, looking with me in our text here in, in Matthew 18 and verse number 5, that other verse was Luke 18, 15, if you want to write that down, Luke 18, 15. But here in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 5, the Bible says, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. You know what that verse shows me? And we know this, of course, but it shows it to us that Jesus cares about the children. The children are important to Jesus, even the little children. And we know that, of course, because there's another verse. The Bible says, uh, and I think of this verse sometimes, uh, he says, does not one sparrow fall? And I take note of that. And he says, you're so much more important. That's just my paraphrase of what it said. He said, you're so much more important than those sparrows. So God cares about the sparrows. God cares about the babies all the way through the adults. God loves every single person. And so we see God's concern for babies. We see Jesus' concern for the children. In verse number six, he says this, but who shall offend one of these little ones which believeth in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. It's a pretty serious indictment that God says, listen, the little kids, they're important to me. Go down to verse number 10. You can read down through there, but for sake of time, we won't. Uh, but I encourage you to read down through there. He pauses and talks about being an offense. But look with me in verse number 10. He says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. I don't really understand all of that verse, I'll be honest with you. But I can tell you this, babies, little ones, and young people are important to God. And that's important to understand because we're, we're coming down to the fact that what happens when babies do die. Go with me to one more passage. I want you to see this as well. And this kind of drives more to the heart. Ezekiel chapter number 16 Ezekiel chapter number 16, and I know we've been bouncing around, but these verses all correlate with the theme of babies and with young people that, that, that are important to God. Ezekiel chapter number 16, verse 20 and 21. God is in the middle of an indictment telling them of all their wickedness and all their sin that they have committed. And we find these very interesting verses in Ezekiel chapter number 16, verse number 20. He says this, Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons 
and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Is this, is this of thy whoredoms a small matter, that thou hast slain my children and delivered them to the cause of to cause them to pass through the fire for them. So in verse number 20, we have uh, in the middle of the verse there, he says, whom thou hast borne unto me. This is God giving an indictment. He says, listen, in all your wickedness and in all your uh, perversities, because he lists a whole bunch of them there, uh, he says, listen, your children were born unto me, unto God. And then he goes on in verse number 21 and he says that thou hast slain thy children and or slain, excuse me, that thou hast slain my children. This is God talking and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire for them. He's talking about child sacrifice that they would do. That was uh, Moloch and that they would cause their children to pass through a fire. And so I'm just saying this, that, that God took that seriously. And he said, listen, even though they were born in perversity, even though they were born in wickedness, even though this is an indictment, he's saying, hey, those are my children that were born. Then he goes on and he says, and, and, and you were killing my children. In other words, these were young people that were important to God. And, uh, and we don't know, I can't tell you at what age they were, I don't know. The Bible's not clear, but God took claim of them. And so I would imagine that that would mean they were pretty young people. That leads us right up to uh, this idea of, of the age of accountability. Have you heard that phrase before? We use it, I use it. Uh, the age of accountability. The Bible, we don't have a verse. I can't find any verse that would say that this is the age of accountability or the phrase age of accountability does not show up in Scripture. So what I'm going to give it to you as is it's when a child is able to comprehend the accountability of his actions and he becomes responsible. And what age is that? I don't know. I can't tell you. It's actually different for every person. It depends. Some people pick up things really quickly. Some people pick up things a little more slowly. We're all different. We are not equal. There's not a way that you can say, well, five is the age of accountability. We don't know what age it is. Um, and I think it's vague. And the Bible doesn't give us a set age. Um, and, and even this, think about this for a moment. What about people who have limited mental capacities? They might never reach an age of accountability. We don't know. And so I'm just saying that, that, uh, that that's something that we have to consider and we have to think about. Let's go all the way back to our text in 2 Samuel chapter number 12. 2 Samuel chapter number 12. This is what we can gather from this verse. That David had a baby in sin. We know that. It was condemned by the man of God, came by and condemned it. God struck that child with sickness because of the parent's sin. That child died. And here's where David's faith comes in. And we find in verse number 23, he said this, that we read, But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Then he says this, 
I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And it's just my personal belief. When babies die, when, when, when somebody that is under the age of accountability that is very difficult to define, very difficult to put your finger on, but when they do die, that, that listen, I believe they're safe with the Lord. I believe David was saying, listen, this child, God's not going to send this child back to me. David had just spent seven days laying flat on his face on the earth, praying to God. Probably in that seven days, and I don't know, but probably in that seven days was Psalm 51 was born. When he said, wash me of my sin, cleanse me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And he was praying to God during that time saying, God, it's not the baby's fault. Don't take him. But God nonetheless said, hey, you know what? Uh, this is not right. And so God took that baby and, uh, and David said, I'm going to go see him again. But that baby's not coming back to me. And so uh, that's my belief, and that's what I believe uh, from, from looking at the Word of God. We find that babies and children are important to God. They are. And, uh, and so uh, I just hope that that is a help and an a encouragement to you. And, and listen, that's why it's so important to reach young people. Um, I don't know what age. I, I generally, by the time somebody's five, six years old, they're usually understanding Maybe not, but generally around that age. Um, and again, I don't know, every child's different. I've heard people, uh, you know, give testimony that they got saved when they were four years old and, and they remembered very clearly, and that's fine. Some people are able to. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, I can't say a definitive age for any, everybody. Um, but I believe that babies are important to God. And, and I, I just tag this on here because it's been in the news all over that, uh, overturning Roe versus Wade. Listen, we as Christians would be for that. God is against abortion. Um, he's made that clear. He called them uh, great with child. In other words, hey, that's a person in there. That is a living human being. Before they even made it to the womb, they were a living human being that God loves and God cares about and God sees them. Can I just throw this out there as well? They say, well, Abortion is for rape and, you know, those, those horrible cases. You know how often that happens? That is less than 1% of all the abortions. Less than 1%. But that's their whole argument. Well, for those cases, they, they have no case on that. And it's not right according to the Word of God. And I don't care what our government deems legal. That doesn't make it right in God's eyes. And so we understand that, that God is the one who specifies that. And God cares about children. God, cares, God calls children uh, a blessing from the Lord. And so we, there's so much more I could say. There's so much more we, we didn't cover. But just understand that babies, children uh, are, are important to God. And it's not our right to take that life that has been given to them uh, given, I'd go a step further, given to them by God. And, uh, and so I just want us to understand that. And I do believe, hey, when babies pass away, it is sad. It's hard for the, uh, the parents. It's hard for everyone involved in all reality. Uh, but I believe if, if they're young, that, uh, hey, they're safe uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ and God takes them to heaven. 
And, uh, and so I hope and pray that that's a help and a blessing to you. As we stand to our feet, their heads bowed, their eyes closed, we'll have a short